0: Jewish audio on org. All right, as we continue to learn the laws of loans and what may or may not be done in the context of a loan, which, as we learned, is a mitzvah, mitzvah to give a loan, mitzvah to repay a loan, certain kinds of collateral are not permitted. The Rambam now continues to focus on something which is prohibited in the context of taking a loan, namely. Taking interest. So, for the 300th sheet of Rambam, corresponding to chapters 16, 17, and 18 of Malva Voleva, we're going to learn negative commandment number 235. And just as a bit of a preface, it is noteworthy that the Rambam includes the laws, the prohibition of ribbit, of interest, of usury. He includes that in the same set of halachot in which he talks about the mitzvah of giving a loan, mitzvah of repaying a loan. And the prohibitions that govern collateral, which collateral may, 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 one may take or may not take. And the various methods in which that collateral can be held onto. It's very interesting to point out that in Shulchan Aruch, they're not only in two separate sets of halachas. They're in two separate sections. One is in Cheshen Mishpat. Cheshen Mishpat deals with monetary law. And one is in Yeridea. Yeridea deals with ritual law, ritual prohibitions. So so the kind of relationships that are forbidden or, 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 or certain details in, 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 in prohibited relationships will be found in Yeridaya. Certain details on the prohibition of, for example, idolatry will be found in Yeridaya. Question of forbidden foods will be found in Yeridaya. And as well in the Torah and Shokhanaruch, the laws prohibiting usury, interest, it also found in Yeridaya. The laws of loans, giving a loan, taking a loan, the collateral, what governs the collateral, is found in and Mishpat. That's the section of Shochanarif that deals with fiduciary issues. It's very interesting to note that the Rambam includes them together. So a likely explanation is that the Rambam's classification is also revealing as to how the Rambam sees this prohibition. From the Rambam's perspective, to to take money, to take money. For your money is like part of theft. It's part of, it's, it's, it's a violation of financial, eti- uh, proper financial etiquette, of the laws that govern the way a person does finances. From the Shogunarach's perspective, from the tourist perspective, it seems that they would look at interest as, hey, you're making money, that's business. Business is business. You make an investment, <laughs> you gave your money as a, as a loan, that's, in, in, in most of the world, that's considered normal business practice. So from the Shogunarach's perspective, the fact that you cannot take a loan, it's not that taking a loan is like theft. It's like that taking a loan, p- pardon me, not like taking interest is theft. But taking interest, the Torah prohibits. <coughs> this is just a, an, an interesting overview, uh, uh, a related kind of notion to the Rambam. We're learning le- Malvav The Rambam has a unique approach that he sees the prohibition of usury as a part of what governs proper finances from a Jewish perspective. Proper finances includes a mitzvah of giving somebody a loan. It includes a mitzvah of repaying a loan. It includes the mitzvahs that govern, the rules that govern how we can ensure a loan is repaid, as well as the prohibition of taking interest. Which brings us, this all brings us to mitzvah number 235 of the negative mitzvahs. So the Torah warns us, we're not allowed to give a loan to a fellow Jew for interest. As the Torah says, and this is very, very explicitly spelled out in the Torah. <coughs> the, third, the third book of the five Chumashim. Sefer Vayikra. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 37. The Torah says, You won't give your money in a way of Neshech. Now, neshach literally means a bite. Like, like, a, like a snake bite. In other words, that your money is always biting somebody. You gave him $100, and the next day he owes you $105. A day later he owes you $110. You keep biting him. This loan is like it's like an ongoing bite that keeps stinging him again and again and again. Every day he doesn't pay back. The Torah then uses a different word, ube marbit. The word marbit is a permutation of the word harbe, a lot, that which is naturally increasing, that which is mushrooming, that which is growing. In other words, that your money is growing or or let's put it differently, your indebtedness to the person who gave the loan, so Ruvain gave Shimon the loan, Shimon's indebtedness to Ruvain is growing every day because he has marbit. The money keeps growing. So the Torah says, Your money you won't give b'neshech, in a way that keeps biting him. marbit achlecha in a marbit in a way of continuously growing, continuously ballooning, you will not give your your, your loan. Now the Rambam is very clear in telling us that Shnei Lavin Elu, these two distinctly articulated prohibitions, Lotitin Lobaneshech, Lotitain, it says the word twice, Lotitain, you will not give, that this is Echot. This is talking in the same mitzvah. There are not two mitzvot. There is only one mitzvah. This is mitzvah in the Rambam system, numbers 235 of negative mitzvahs. So why is it redundantly, uh, 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 why does it appear redundantly? Why does it repeat it again? The Rambam says that's the That's to emphasize and to strengthen. <laughs> that the one who gives a loan to a fellow Jew for interest is violating, so to speak, not one mitzvah, but two mitzvot. Although factually he's violating mitzvah number 235. There isn't another number of a mitzvah. But it means that it, it shows us how serious the Torah warned you twice, like you tell your child not to do something. How many times do I have to tell you? I told you twice don't do that. Factually he's only one infraction. He wasn't supposed to go there and he went there. But I told you twice not to do it. Neshech is ribit, and ribit is neshach. The the loan keeps biting him and your prophet keeps growing. His indebtedness keeps, keeps ballooning. It's the same thing. It's just different words to describe the exact same phenomenon. As the Gemara in Bavabasra says, that even though it's normative, well people use the term neshech and sometimes use the word marbit individually, but the Gemara says, You won't have a loan that bites without ballooning. You won't have a loan that balloons without biting the principal. Because if the loan is ballooning, if the indebtedness is growing, it's biting him. And if it's biting him, that means that the indebtedness is ballooning. They come together. The reality is, it's not really two different kinds of interest. It's the same point. He received $100, and now he owes $105 whether you want to call it he's getting bit with a $5 fee, or that his indebtedness just ballooned by 5%, it's the same thing. So why didn't the scripture then divide it in two individual expressions? Why does the Torah articulate it twice? The answer is, so that the person who does it should violate Hashem's commandment, so to speak, twice. In the very same Gemara, it says, that means from the Torah, it says, Itself, neshech v'tarbit chada milta ninhu. That neshech and tarbit, two different terminologies that appear in the Torah twice with the precursor lo titain. You shall not give two activities. It's actually the same thing. In the Sefer Achinuch, he uses he gives an interesting example a mitzvah shilamidvav, which is not the mitzvah of, of, of uh, usury. Of the mitzvah of usury is later on. Mitzvah Shemem Gimel, Mitzvah 343. But in Mitzvah 336, he talks about a different mitzvah over there. And he says, you should know. Kach darka Torah. This is the way of the Torah. Bahar ben Mekomot in many places. Shalafi in accordance with the need of whatever particular issue it is, whatever particular nuance or notion, or chomer Shabo. So sometimes there's a need, people won't take it seriously, or sometimes this is just very stringently. Shabbat that, to Yuchad HaMitzvah, that revolves around this mitzvah, that the Torah will repeat the mitzvah a number of times. And, and the Sefer, the Sefer Achinich example is we find by Avodah Zarah, that the prohibition against worshipping something other than God with, with, uh, with giving it the, the, the importance of a god or of deification, that any kind of ascribing of divine power or of, of true power, to a force other than God, which is called alien worship, is repeated in the Torah no less than 44 times. 44 times the Torah tells you, now let it do that. Now, it's true that the Torah specifically fingers and emphasizes a form of idolatrous worship called moloch, And that's because it was a very common form of idolatry at that particular time when the Torah was given, and that's how it was for approximately maybe 1,800 years. That was the dominant idolatry of the day. and Many Jewish people, unfortunately, became sucked into it. But nonetheless, the point is, idolatry is idolatry. To worship any kind of other God or deity is wrong. It's prohibited. It's a contravention of God's will. 44 times the Torah tells it to us. Obviously, either something people very easily slip into and or something of extraordinary importance. Shabbat is repeated 12 times. It's the same Shabbat. You do, you keep Shabbat, you're a Shomer Shabbat. You didn't keep 12 different mitzvahs of keeping Shabbat. You did the mitzvah of Shabbat. Torah repeats it 12 times. Now, it's true that the Torah specifically fingers the prohibition of combustion, of bringing forth fire, and of hotza, of taking out from one jurisdiction to the other. And there is the uh, question of how we learn this, whether it's the Chalak or the Lav that these particular violations. Of Shabbat are only a a lesser violation. It's only a lav, or it's lachalak to tell you that you can violate the Shabbat a number of times, and be obligated to bring a carbon a number of times. But that's 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 not for now. He's, the, the Sefer Chinuch says ain't hamedrash That medrash as to why the Torah would have repeated something a number of times does not contradict in any way what we're talking about. He says harbi panimot Torah. There's many ways to study the Torah. The point here he, he makes here is that the Torah would repeat something out of necessity or out of urgency. And that's why, and the same thing applies Say Sefer Chinich himself in Mitzvah. Shin Mem Gimel Mitzvah 343, which talks about the prohibition of giving a fellow Jew a loan for interest. He sends you back to Mitzvah 336. He says, look what I wrote over there. That's the point. Now, over there we say, it's written in the Torah, going back now to the book of Mitzvahs, who re- continues to reference the words of our sages, and now that it says that the Torah calls it these two names, that it says the Torah calls it two names and repeats it in two different places. So it sounds that a person who would do this would violate at least two mitzvahs. So the Ramam says no, that's also, that's also repetition for the purpose of urgency and for the purpose of necessity. This prohibition is repeated in the Torah earlier in one syntax. It's repeated later with a a similar but slightly different syntax. All of this is not to violate more than one mitzvah, but rather to convey to you the urgency and the importance of keeping this mitzvah properly. The Gemara further tells us that there is also a prohibition for the person who takes that loan. But that we'll learn about tomorrow. That's a separate prohibition. This is not only something that the person who gives the loan is prohibited. Even the person who's being bitten and the person whose indebtedness is growing, you would say he has enough of a punishment. The poor guy, he's, he's in so much debt now and he's suffering because of this terrible mortgage that he has to carry. That may be. But he's still violating a mitzvah of the Torah as we'll, we'll discuss in in the days ahead. Today's mitzvah focuses primarily on the lehalvot, on what we call in Hebrew the Malva the one who gives the loan. The Rebbe once asked a very interesting question about this. He said, why, why don't we divide the two mitzvahs that one would refer specifically to money, the neshach mitzvah, the baiti mitzvah, would be specifically to cash, giving a cash loan and charging interest. And the marbit could be with regard to payrot, with regard to some kind of produce. Because the Rambam spends a lot of time in this set of halachas talking about the possibilities of ribbit in which cash is not actually involved. If, for example, you have produce commodities that are worth one thing at one time of the year and they're worth something else at a different time of the year. So, if, if you if you would borrow wheat from a person, let's say at a time when commodities are high and you repay, the, the, the time is low, the person is actually losing. He gave you, 10 bushels of whatever grain it was and you got it back. He got it back at a time when nobody's really looking for it. So the factually, he's out of pocket. Or conversely, the person gave it to you at a time when it was in very low demand. So the commodity, whatever commodity it was, you know, the proverbial pork bellies were, were at uh, $100 a $100 a, a, a unit. And then he demands payment six months later when they're $120 a unit. So he actually made $20 a unit. And this is also prohibited, it's not simple, the very, very nuanced deeds of halachas <laughs> the Rebbe asked why don't we have a division of Neshech and Marbet Neshech is specifically cash related, and Marbet is when you have produce, where the word Marbet laharbot, to increase, fits not for money, but fits for some kind of commodity, some kind of uh, payroll, something like a produce that comes from the ground and the Rebbe says there's actually a precedent for this that when the Torah says you're not allowed to eat Maiser Sheni, the second tide outside of Jerusalem, the Torah says Dogon which means grain the Torah says Tirosh which means the juice of grapes and then the Torah says Yitzar which means that which is derived from olives oil. And the and Rambam says three separate prohibitions. That means if you sat down and you had a meal of Maiser Sheini and you ate grain and you drank a glass of wine and you, and you had oil, you mixed oil into the salad, you violated not one, not two, but three separate prohibitions. Because the tirosh is only tirosh, and the dogon is specific to the grains, and the oil is specific to the oil. So the devil says, so why don't we have the same idea over here? Where the neshech is one kind of prohibition, that's when you give a cash loan, and you're getting back more cash. You gave a $1,000, and you made $1,200 back. So you made $200, You made a, you made yourself a 20% profit. Or, when we talk about commodities, it would be a separate prohibition called marbit. So the Rebbe says that the answer is simple. You can't, you can't create prohibitions on your own. Like You have to look at what the Torah says. The Torah, when it says tirosh, the Torah is talking about a very specific substance. A liquid that comes from grapes. That's what tirosh is. Tirosh is not orange juice, it's not apple juice. It's only that which comes from grapes. That's called tirosh. The Torah says yitzar, it's, it's very specific. When the Torah talks about the concept of Dagon, Dagon includes five grains, which are really two, two categories of grain. That's all. And it includes only those five categories. And rice is not included, for example. And quinoa is not included. It's only specifically these five kinds of grain. So therefore, when the Torah emphasizes an exact, specific substance, it says this, specimen A is prohibited specimen B is prohibited specimen C is prohibited so then you could say there's a number of, of prohibitions here it's very nebulous very general it's this idea that you're not know to take neshech you're not to take marbit you're trying to read into that so ah so neshech might mean cash and marbit could refer also to commodities Torah doesn't say that that's you reading those words in furthermore why is commodities a problem? because it has cash value it's not that there's a problem with the commodity. That this commodity is prohibited, or that commodity is prohibited. It's the fact that commodities are another form of cash. When people are in the stock market, they they're, sometimes they're investing in currencies, and sometimes they're investing in commodities. Same thing. Here's a cash investment, here's a commodity investment. When the Torah talks about dog and it's very specific. It says, This kind of substance may not be eaten if it's maishasheni, outside of Yerushalayim. Full stop. And then the Torah comes along and says, this kind of substance may not be eaten outside of Yerushalayim. Full stop. So since the Torah is specific, identifies a, a, a very, very unique description of what it prohibits, then it's reasonable to say that you could violate more than one mitzvah. In our case, since the Torah is using general language, you cannot, in, 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 in any, with any kind of integrity, say or assume that the Torah is intending to give us more then one mitzvah. And that's what the Ramah maintains, as the Gemara tells us, it's one mitzvah which is articulated by the Torah a number of times for the purpose of urgency and for the purpose of emphasis so that this mitzvah is properly kept by the Jewish people. And that concludes the 300th shir of Sefer mitzvahs.